clap was that fucking That was the worst horrible, clap dude. I've ever heard. Yeah. All right, welcome home, everyone. This is the Residency Podcast. I'm Drew Belcher with Low Raven. Hello. Jeff Tomastic is not here this evening because he's doing more family shit. Yeah, uh, big again, family guy. Yeah, big family guy. We're back bringing the biggest guest stories in entertainment, business, pop culture, and sports from our studio at the, at the Mandalay Bay Sportsbook. Uh, live on Las Vegas Strip. Make sure to subscribe, Apple, Spotify, and YouTube. This episode is brought to you by Mandalay Bay. The NFL season has been crazy so far. Go Raiders. Low likes the 49ers. Big Niner guy. They're fucking trash. Do not forget that the Bud Light Beer Garden between the Mandalay Bay and the Luxor is the only place to enjoy the pregame and postgames for all the Raider games. Tons of incredible food, music, and big guest experiences are waiting for you there every week. If college football is more of your alley, like it is mine, go, go Rebels, go UNLV. Running Rebels take over the strip on December 7th as UNLV takes on Seattle. At Allegiant Stadium, if you've never been to a park theater at that park MGM, then now is the time to make it happen, especially with the Foo Fighters performing on December 4th. Foo Fighters. Are you a Foo Fighter fan? Uh, no, I like food. Foo, Foo Fighters. And I like fighters. <laughs> Let's fucking go, dude. <laughs> Come see us at our studio, the Mandalay Bay Sportsbook, anytime. We have a huge guest. I'm going to get low right into it. Yes. Take it away, low. Yes, 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 man. Today we have an MMA legend, a warrior of the octagon, former like UFC that. light heavyweight champion, UFC Hall of Famer, Sugar Rashad Evans. Welcome, man. Thank you for What's being here. What's going on, Low and Drew? I appreciate you guys having me on. Course, Another man. guest that can kick all of our fucking asses. 10,000 <laughs> percent. I mean, we've had a lot of UFC fighters on the podcast. Some of them, you know, smaller. A lot of the wrestling guys. You are not small. You're definitely our size. Can easily <laughs> fuck us up for sure. We may can take on some of the smaller guys that we've had on. We've had a couple girls on. We may have a chance. With you, not a fucking chance. Yes, not not a chance at all. And you know what? I'm okay with it, man. But thank you for being here. Uh, no problem. Uh, we're happy man. to have you. Um, I want to just dive into this historical career, man. Like you, you got into the UFC Hall of Fame a couple years ago. Yeah. Um, an incredible achievement, right? Uh, but looking back. You fought the, some of the best of the best, the, like the monsters that I grew up on watching in, in the UFC. Um, so you started off as a wrestler, right? Was MMA just like the next evolution to, to what you were going to do? Or do you just want to like punch some dudes after you've been wrestling for so long? Yeah, um, it, it was it was something that I kind of fell into. You know, right after I got done from uh, college, yeah. I was coaching. I was like a, a high school coach, coaching JV at this uh, – this um, school in Michigan called St. John's. Okay. And um, I was a pretty good coach, but I felt like I was a little too competitive with the kids. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> a little like, too rough with the little kids. A little too rough with them. And I'm like, you know what? Let me let me find another outlet so I'm not trying to prove who I am. You know, I'm not trying to prove myself when I'm, when I'm trying to teach these kids. Yeah. And um, I just happened to run into somebody who was doing what it was called. At the time, it was called NHB, No Holds Bar. Okay. And um, he said that he trained in this gym in, in, uh, in uh, Lansing, Michigan. And it was in this part of town that was kind of run down a little bit and kind of like the hood of, of sure. Lansing, yeah, yeah. Michigan. So when I first get there, like, it was a couple of days after we first initially met. Then the, I say, like, the Monday we, we went to the gym. And um, I go there, and I'm like, it looks like I'm about to get robbed. Like, this shit looks dangerous, <laughs> yeah. man. Like, I don't know if I should be here, you know? Yeah. It was, like, right under, like, some train tracks and stuff like that under a bridge. And I'm like, it just looked very seedy. So I go into this building. It was, like, an old warehouse, the John Bean uh, building. And as I'm going up in the building, it's kind of like 
run down a little bit, you know, leaky roof and kind of like you see little rats scurrying it's like out of a off. Movie. Yeah, super was, fucking dodgy. Yeah, yeah. very yeah. dodgy, right? So then we go upstairs and there's like some little offices upstairs, right? And like these little like it looks just like rooms. And then we open this room and just like the wave of funk just hit me. Just smelled like, you know, like a sweat, a sweaty. Just, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Just and I looked and I seen like, you know, six dudes just like training in this little small ass room. It had to be probably about 12 by 9 feet. And if you're doing M- 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 uh, doing NHB or rolling yeah. around, that's not a lot of space. So only two guys can go at a time yeah. while the other two sat back and just kind of other while the others just sat back and just watch. So that experience was like. I knew at that time, I'm like, you know what? This is what I got to do. It was like a real-life fight club. I had, like... That's why. It was like it was like cops. You know, one guy was a cop. One guy was a, a nurse. You know, it was like it was like the village people. <laughs> yo, I mean, crazy. wait. So you walk into there and see this happening, and then you decide, yes, I want to do this? Because <laughs> well, if yeah, I walk in that yeah, bitch, I'm, I'm like, like, nah. Hard pass. I'm out. <laughs> yeah. well, I I'm know, out. It, it, but you know what? It was it was something so, so primal and so just just gritty and just real about it that I yeah. like, yo, I got to stick around just to see like what happens. Cause we were just in there just like, you know, they were just in there just beating the hell out of each other. I'm like, man, that's why I got to try this. It was a real and life. They're doing matches in there. Yeah. It was like a it's real, not just training. They're actually, people are lining up like, all right, you guys are going to have a match. You're fighting him today. Well, no, no, it, it, we, weren't, we weren't doing matches in there, but I mean, the way, the way we were training, it was like, yeah. it was, it was like, I mean, they were fighting. It was like a fight club. We were like really fighting. That's, that's incredible. No, I'm walking in and I'm walking the fuck yeah, out. It was, <laughs> Absolutely. It was crazy, man, but it was like, um, I did it. And the minute I like trained there, I was hooked. Like it's all I could think about is NHB, no, no holes bar, whatever, yeah. you know? And, um, I started, you know, going there and training, and I was working at the, uh, at the hospital at the time as a security guard, and uh, I was, you know, thinking about getting one fight, and then the first fight I go to, they say, look, we, we can't give you one fight, but you can jump into this tournament and just do one fight and then quit after that. God. So I jumped into the tournament, and uh, I did one fight, and I ended it real fast. And I'm like, That's damn, I didn't really, I was like, I didn't really get the feel of it. You <laughs> yeah. know what I'm saying? I got like a minute into it so then I fought another guy and I blazed through that guy and I'm like damn I gotta get I was like you know what I'm, I'm already here so let me just fight the final fight yeah. you know and I end up winning the tournament come that's on crazy. I end up winning that's the tournament awesome. on my that's, first first experience and that's uh, awesome. I mean the money I made I made like uh, what 300 bucks like 100 bucks that's a guy and it, in one weekend or is it one day the tournament it was one day one, one day. day tournament you fight three fights one you're day. good one night, you're one night. That's crazy. but that's how it used to be back in the day like yeah. um you know, I would go to these one-day, one-day tournaments, and you know, you fight everybody, and, and, and one, you know, you fight like. You just gotta that. make it through. Yeah, you fight. You know, you keep on winning, and uh, you know, your face gets a little beat up and stuff like that. So you have to make sure you have like, like I will carry like some super glue. Yeah, because you're some, your own cut guy. Yeah, right? I'm my own cut guy. Yeah, so <laughs> yeah. like I'll, I'll super glue my eye closed if I had a cut. And then throw some grease over so the commission, which would be mostly like on a reservation, so it really was yeah, like no commission. commission. Yeah, sure, yeah, sure, yeah. sure. Like you are, you can walk, you good. Yeah. yeah. Going back to what you said about having like that primal instinct or primal feeling to it, do you think fighters or just people in general have to be born with something inside them that wants them to take it that route? Because like me, I don't think I could ever be like, yeah, I want to go fight and jump in the ring. I feel like I would freeze up and get my ass beat, but also freeze up. I just don't know if it's in me. Do you think people are born with it or they can train and develop it? Um, I think there's something in you that... that, that there just, has to be, for yeah, sure. there's something in you that, that wants that because not a lot of people want that action. Fuck yeah. no. 100%. No, and me. I, yeah, no. They, people don't want that action, but it's like 
for me it was a um it was always like a a internal thing it wasn't even nothing about the physical it was just about can i will myself to dominate this person's will and, and impose my will on him Love you know and that's what that's what it became about it was like i want to impose my will on this guy but then it became more or less about okay who am i the deep i had to start digging deep and really yeah. start you know because the thing about what happens in a fight is that the no matter how well trained you are for the, your opponent that doubt creeps in and that fear comes there and you have to sit there and battle yourself for sure. so no matter who you fight across the cage from you the first battle you got to win is always right here 100%. internally that's ill I love that. Fuck, do you have that real. trademarked anywhere? I feel like we should write that down and trademark that. That was really good. That's Damn, dude. That's awesome. That's so crazy. Um, speaking of tournaments, right? So you, you win this tournament. Your career goes on a little bit more. We all become familiar with you in, in, a, in a different tournament, the Ultimate Fighter, right? Um, so you won a three-year contract with the UFC, defeating a 6'7 guy, right, in the heavyweight category. Um, going into that, like, why heavyweight? And... and why was this opportunity too great not to turn down or how did you end up in that situation well um when i was training at the small gym in lansing michigan yeah we were beating the hell out of each other and we were to the point where we like you know what we need to find some new blood yeah so i was at the time fighting in the tournaments and i was fighting in dan severin's tournament now dan severin is an mma legend yep. okay. you know ufc hall of famer one of the pioneers of the sport and he was training in Coldwater, Michigan. Okay. So we would drive to Coldwater, which was about an hour and a half from where we were. And uh, we started training there. So once Dan got inducted to the Hall of Fame, he's like, hey, um, the UFC said something about this show called the Ultimate Fighter Show. <laughs> and if they said, it, they'll, they'll, you know, if I had somebody that, you know, they'll give them a look and give them some kind of some kind of consideration. So I was so he was like, but but it's that heavyweight. And I'm just like. So I'll do it. And at the time, I was like 195 no. pounds. Oh, so definitely not heavyweight. Yeah, yeah. Not heavyweight. Not heavyweight. And he was like, he was oh. like, dude, you are 195 pounds soaking wet. There's no way you're gonna fight at heavyweight. Like it's just not gonna happen. I'm like, no, give me time, give me time. So um, I worked a night shift at the hospital, and uh, one of my good friends was the cafeteria lady. Her name was Cindy Jackson. Bless her heart. She passed a while ago, but. Um, she um, she would just always stack me up on like mashed potatoes. Yeah, and, yeah. And, and, uh, thicken you up a little bit. Yeah, 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 yeah. Up. She thickened <laughs> yeah. me up to the point where I like hated food. Like every time I see her come out to the car to bring me something to eat, I'm just like, oh, yeah. man, I gotta keep on eating. I gotta remember to eat. So I balked my way up to get to be like 220 pounds, you know? Wow, that's 30 over like walking weight. Yeah. That's a lot of fucking weight and to it just put on. It wasn't like real solid weight because yeah. it was just like I'm For a sure. mashed body. Mashed potatoes. You know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's thick boy season, yeah. bro. Yeah. But it was enough for me to, um, you know, to, to uh, I, I made a video for the UFC, introduced myself, and I sent it in, and then they gave me a call back. So then they flew me out to Vegas, and then a whole trial to get into the UFC begun and it was kind of it was kind of crazy because i almost didn't get in it because i was so small yeah i walk into the uh the tryouts or the the, the, the meeting because before you do the tryouts you got to have like a meeting with the production at the time of spike tv and dana white and those yeah, guys yeah. spike tv yeah, yeah. No, i remember that spike shit yeah. Yeah. yeah for sure so uh dana white as soon as he see me he said bro you got to be fucking kidding me you gotta be <laughs> get this guy out of here fucking kidding me. this little dude and with I'm all like, these monsters and i'm like what he says 
Bro, this is a fucking heavyweight show. You fucking little Cuba Gooding Jr. looking motherfucker. You're going to get, here's what's going to happen. You're going to get fucking taken down and you're going to get beat up and destroyed. And I'm going to have a boring episode on my show because you're too fucking small to be here. And I'm just like, now I never heard so many F-bombs in my life. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know what I'm saying? And I'm just coming from college. So I'm just like, damn, how do I change this around? And I was quick on my feet and I was like, look, I understand where you're coming from. I said, but when heavyweights were heavyweights, they weren't big and cumbersome. They were small and compact like Mike Tyson. Yep. You know, like 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 Muhammad Ali. Those guys were like 210, 215, 217, you know? Yeah. Not the That's, 280 shit you see today. Not the 280 shit. Yeah. Like yeah. these guys were 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 moving. And I said I want to bring the excitement back into heavyweight. Oh. So that That's was the per- line. That, that was his eyes producer. Excitement. Heavyweight. Yeah. yeah, I love that. That's I like incredible, that. man. Do, do you think it's harder for somebody um, going to that, right? So you just said you were a wrestler, right? Yeah. You think it's harder to transition to MA from a wrestler's background or more of like a boxing background? Um, more of a boxing background. For sure. Okay. More I would of agree. a boxing background because the, every fight always ends or, or always goes to some Sometime. kind of situation where you're yep. locked up. And the thing about it is like, yeah, the boxers got hands and, and, they, and their head as far as like technically speaking with the X's and O's with the hands. But that if you miss... And, you, and he grab a hold of you. It's, what are you gonna do on the floor? What you gonna do on the floor, man? Yeah. You gotta. Be, so, but when you know how to wrestle, it's easier to teach a wrestle how to strike sure. than teach a, a boxer how to wrestle. Makes sense. Makes Fuck. makes a lot of sense. That's crazy. Hundred percent. I agree with you. Hundred yeah. percent. Um. So now you're in the UFC, right? You, you won the Ultimate Fighter, right? Yeah. Your your career's taking a launch, right? You've signed. You're there. Um, most people fight smaller name fighters on the way to a title shot. You face some of the biggest and the baddest ever. Um, some names like Michael Bisbing, Tito Ortiz, Chuck Liddell, and that's all before you got your title shot, right? Like, was this because the sport was just coming up and there were just these guys that they were pulling from different places? Or was everybody at that time just a badass? Everybody at the time was just a badass. Badass, yeah. badass motherfuckers, the everyone. The competition was just was just very, very stiff at the time. And um, in order to really make a name in that space, you had to be willing to fight anybody who they put in front of you. Like, you weren't saying no to shit. You weren't turning down any fights. Yeah. You're like, okay, this is what I got to fight. I got to fight. And at the time, I was training at Jackson's Jackson's gym with Keith Jardine, Nate Marquardt, uh, Diego Sanchez, um, Michael Van Arsdale, Joey Villasenor, you know, all these great fighters. And... Um, you know, Greg Jackson was so intricate in really just forming my mindset to just be ready to fight anybody, you know, because he would he would kick our asses in training. Like, he'll, he'll do things like there was um, these mountains in Albuquerque, New Mexico called, called the Sandia Mountains. Okay. And what we'll do, we'll go all the way up to the mountains, which will go, go up to about, like, 12,000, 13,000 feet, really high up there. Shit. And we'll, we'll do, like, these buddy carries. And these buddy carries, <laughs> it's like... You're, you're holding you're holding somebody like uh like they're like you're walking over sure sure walking over the broomstick right with your, with your lady right so you're carrying them like that and on the side of us probably about like maybe another two and a half feet there was like an edge oh no where no, you're like, where no, you're just like if you, no 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 bro no and it was like it was it was like the, you know the you know um 
uh, the movie uh, Talladega Nights. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Ricky Bobby's dad came and he was like, if you can survive a tire. Yes, uh, yes, uh, uh, yes. That's how Greg Jackson was like, well, if you can survive the mountain, then you should be able to fight anybody, you know? You cannot fall off with your Or you can fall and die. You you choose. But that's what he wanted us to. He wanted us to. He was so into the Japanese Bushido when it came to the mindset of, of, of making death your best friend, like being friends with your best, best, making death like something that you looked forward to, you know. And uh, he'll tell us stories about how you know uh, samurais, you know, would always just think about death all the time, and it was just wow. you know. But but it was more or less about making yourself be willing to go where your opponent wouldn't go because yeah. the truth of the matter is when you're out there fighting there's a point where it gets like you're getting your ass kicked and you're getting beat up and you're like I don't know how much I can take but then you look over and you see the look in a guy's eyes and you're just like I got a little more to go because yeah, he I thinks he's about to break me you know but I think all athletes call that like the switch right there's always a little switch or there's something that happens that propels you to the next level some what's what's the other word for it, right it's like your second win that it's zone like it's, it's this little yeah or a zone exactly yeah and I love that man I think true true professional athletes that are like in their prime they know how to get to that place they find that Absolutely. little piece and they go all right that's gonna take me over the edge I love that. yeah. that's incredible. how important is it training your mind going back to you know the mental aspect of everything, you know, doing the mountain and the climbers and everything. And you see some of these other crazy fighters coming up, these Russian fighters, for example, training this ice cold water with the tides coming and holding crazy bags. How important is that mental aspect in fighting that can give you an advantage over your opponent? It's everything. It's everything. And I say that because it's like during training is 90% physical and 10% mental. But when it comes to fight week, the night before the fight, it becomes 90% mental and yeah. 10% physical. Okay. You know, because the, the, the cake is baked. What's in there is in there, you know? Yeah, yeah. But now you have to just harness your mind to believe it. And you have to ride that emotional roller coaster, you know, where you have that doubt seeping in, where you may feel a little bit afraid. Then you may feel a little overconfident. And you can have that range in a span of seconds just from seeing something. You can walk by, see, a, see, see something on, you know, uh, on, on a flyer and then all of a sudden you're like oh my gosh oh yeah. my god wait tomorrow I gotta fight oh my <laughs> god wait. oh my god you know and, and yeah. like you feel that feeling like there's times where you know you're, you're uh you're there you know right before you walk out that walk is a motherfucker man because you're there and you're just like you're looking in the crowd and you're just like damn I'm waiting for this version of me to go away and Sugar Rashad Evans to kick in you know Ooh. what I'm saying because Rashad I'm a peaceful guy. I'm quiet. I'm kind of passive. You know what I'm saying? I'm very laid back, very cool. But Sugar is the entertainer. Sugar likes the attention. Sugar likes 100%. to go out there and show his shit, you know? So I would always just wait for that moment where I would just zone out and just become Sugar. And then once Sugar was in there, oh, my God, he just knew what to do. He knew how to walk. 100%. He knew how to pose in front of the cameras. He knew how to give that look. He knew how to have that, that position where people – Never knew how I was feeling internally, you know what I'm saying? Gave me the perfect bravado. And I remember something that, like, my coach in football back in high school, his name was Alan Pogo, he would always say, you know, guys, if you act enthusiastic, you'll become enthusiastic. So sometimes when I wasn't feeling it, I would just act that way. And then before I knew it, I really felt that way. And it was like, I'm here. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I love that. Where does the Sugar Rashad name come from? 
right? Is it, yeah. it, it is the persona, 100%, right? We all seen it in the Octagon and all the clips. Where does that come from? Uh, Mike Van Arsdale. Mike Van Arsdale was one of my training partners and one of the best coaches that I ever had a chance to work with, a, a genius in a, in, a, in a coaching game. And uh, he's like, hey, Evs, 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 look, man, uh, you had a good sparring session today, man. You was out there moving like Sugar Ray Robinson or something, man. Shit, we going to start calling you Sugar, man, you know. I love that. That's sick. That's awesome, yeah. man. And it just stuck, for and sure. Just, and it and just then stuck, it became man. the whole persona. Yeah, it right, became right. the whole persona. Like, And, and I kind of needed that persona because the truth of the, like, one thing that makes a fighter suffer when he have a setback is, like, it's the person who suffers, right? But it's like when when I lose or when I have a setback, it was easy for me to be like, all right, you know, to separate the two between Rashad Evans and Sugar. You know what I'm okay. saying? And then, and then having those two personas allowed me to, you know, have more of a balance in my normal life. You know there what I'm saying? Go. Like, and, and not be Sugar, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And, and, you know, and, and be... Uh, Rashad when I need to be Rashad with the family and things like that and not be that cocky braggadocious talk for shit sure. to anybody type of person for sure for sure That's but sugar sold fights sugar sold fights. sugar hey, sold that. fights but you know it's crazy because sugar had a just a way about him that you know it wasn't even something that it was planned it was just kind of something that was kind of a um, a part of my personality like a latent part of my personality for like sure. a you know, and, and we all have there. it. We, yeah, we yeah. all, yeah. We all got a little piece of it. We all got a sure. little piece of it. That's awesome. So in 08, right, you finally have this title shot. You beat Forrest Griffin. You finally become the champ. What does that feel like to get to the pinnacle of the, the sport, right? And, and secondary to that, Sugar won the fight, but Rashad gets to wear the belt, wear the belt around after too. So yeah. what does that feel like for both sides? It, it was surreal, man. It was um, one of the most uh, unbelievable experiences that I had because of the fact that, like, I went out there and I and I and I and I and I conquered and I, and I did it. You know, I did it when so many people didn't even think that I had a chance to even. You weren't be supposed at to level. really even get the title shot. I wasn't yeah. even supposed to be there. Yeah, yeah. You know what I'm saying? I wasn't even supposed to be there. No. And, and there I was winning it and. Um, it was unbelievable. It, it was so unbelievable. It was like the highest I ever felt without taking any drug. I was so high after winning that fight just off of that natural energy. I didn't need to eat any food. I didn't, I didn't want to drink any alcohol, uh, partake in any kind of like any drugs or anything like that. It was just like I was totally just content to just sit there and just be like, Damn, I really did that. And take know? it all yeah, in. Yeah, yeah, At a time when there's so many monsters, yourself including, involved not only in the sport, but in that weight class. Yeah. Some crazy guys in and, that weight and class. And I've always been a little dude. I've always been the smallest guy in the weight class. You know, I've always been one of the, like, the runts, you know? And, and to go out there and to, to beat these guys who are bigger than me and physically more dominant than me and have better technique and can do all these things better than me, but yet I was still winning. Yeah, it's like pure euphoria. I mean, so even right? going yeah. back to like the Chuck Liddell fight, you weren't supposed to win that fight. No. You were put in that fight to, I think, may probably lose and Chuck Liddell get the title fight. Absolutely. But you won the fight. You knocked out Chuck Liddell. One of the most fucking brutal knockouts, by the way, probably in the history. <laughs> yeah. Is that your most memorable fight, beating Chuck Liddell? Yeah, it was. And not, and not only because of the way it ended. I mean, like, Chuck Liddell's an amazing human being. Sure. And, um, like... 
I got to know him more afterwards, and we kind of, you know, developed a friendship over the years. And and, and I love the guy, you know, a good guy. But that night, man, it was it was a very special night because going into the fight, um, people did not give me a chance at all. Like to the point where the reporters are almost kind of like lightweight disrespectful. Like, yeah. okay, like what? Like really, they were kind of asked like, what have you done to? to really earn this opportunity to fight yeah. Chuck Liddell. They're like, why are you here? And I'm just like, damn, yeah. I, I haven't even earned the opportunity to fight Chuck. So when I went out there to fight him, um, I was cool, like, leading up to it as far as, like, in training camp. But when fight week happened, like, the day before the fight, nerves just hit me and, like, the, like the <laughs> of course. of it all hit me. And I remember uh, having, that, like, a little, like, a little panic anxiety attack. <laughs> and uh, I just hit up Randy Couture, who happened to be in the same hotel and was like one floor down from where I was. And I'm like, Randy, could I come see you? And I come and see him. And then I go to his room and I'm like, he opens the door. He's like, hey, Rashad, what's up? And I'm like, oh, man, I'm fucking scared. <laughs> yeah. I'm scared. Oh, I got to go I'm fight scared. fucking Chuck Liddell, damn it. on his bed. He's looking at me. I'm just like, oh, my God, man, what am I going to do? And I'm like, oh, my gosh. And he's like, uh, okay. He said, okay. Uh, all right. He said, you know what? I know what's wrong. He said, I said, what's up? He says, you haven't made friends with the worst outcome yet. He said, you need to make friends with the worst outcome. And you need to understand that no matter what happens tomorrow, your family's still going to love you. Your, the sun is still going to rise. And you'll have another chance to do this. And it won't be the end. It'll be a new beginning in so many different ways. And the only good can happen from this because no matter what, you're going to grow. Randy gave me some sage advice. I just Damn, like that's wild, hung man. on to me, you know, just hung on in, in, in almost every aspect of my life, you know. And um, I remember going back to my room after that talk, like really just like pumped up and just like I looked in the mirror and I was just like, yeah, Randy, you're right. And I just started looking in the mirror saying, you know what? I don't give a fuck. I don't give a fuck. Yeah. I don't give a fuck over and over and over again and to the point where I like work myself up into a, like a fury. Like I don't give a fuck. Screaming in the mirror, like say I don't give a fuck. And um, what I was saying that for was because I was saying I don't give a fuck about all the things that made me feel that way about being afraid. It wasn't about none of that. It was just about going out there and just truly expressing myself. And then the next day I walked out to Immortal Technique. Whoa. The point of no return. The song. Yeah, the okay. song. Okay, okay, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. The point of no return. And in that song, he has a line. He says, "The place that you're from doesn't exist anymore." And I knew what that. And I, and I knew going into this fight that I will forever be changed. You're crossing that threshold. Crossing whatever it was. I, whatever it was yeah. I'm crossing that th threshold. So I just like fully embrace it, whatever it was. And I had an amazing performance. Oh, that's so sick. But yeah, to me, was the highlight. Okay, I love that. I mean, because looking at it from a fan who watched that fight, who followed that fight, you weren't supposed to win that fight. No. And you fucking destroyed that fight and did a phenomenal job. For Thank sure, you, man. For yeah, sure. even, even Mike Winklejohn, uh, my striking coach at the time, I was nervous, and you always do like a little shakeout before you fight. And um, I'm doing a shakeout, and I'm hitting my, hitting my overhand right, left hook, and then I was hitting it, really just like blasting it. And then he says, you know, you know what's going to happen? I said, what? He said, you're going to hit him with this combination, and you're going to knock him out, and I'm not going to be able to get into the cage and congratulate you. And I'm like, yeah, you think so? He said, I guarantee it. I, and I'm like, okay. No shit. It happened exactly how it had That's said. So and I look at him, and I was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> Who are you? Who are you? 
<laughs> you literally just predicted that. Yo, yeah, that's predicted it all. That's awesome. I mean, and again, Chuck Liddell was known for striking, and you were coming up known as a wrestler, but you got some fucking hands too. Yeah, yeah. I feel like a lot of people who are interested in UFC, they look at the wrestlers and like, oh, he's, he wants to take it to the ground. He doesn't have hands. Sugar had hands. Sugar had, showed he had hands. He showed his hands. Yeah, I had hands, man. I had, I did, man. It was uh, that's awesome. It, it became, it became one of those things though, like you know, like uh, I fell in love a little too much with the hands. You sure, know sure. And, and got away from, got away from that the base roots, yeah. because it's the, it's the, it was the mix that made the hands even more deadly because they were fearing uh, that you were gonna take them take down them too. Down yeah. Because I was just so tenacious about getting that takedown. You know, yeah. I'll take them down over and over again tirelessly because. I was still so connected with my collegiate wrestling yeah. that taking these dudes down that didn't really understand wrestling was like easy. Yeah, yeah, easy yeah, yeah. For sure. That's dope. That's dope. Um, so we've talked to Super Bowl champions. We've talked to fighters. Um, we've talked to hoopers, right? Everybody says nothing compares to the walkout, right? So Super Bowl's going on, fireworks going off, going crazy. Um, the walkout to a UFC octagon on a championship night, right? Ooh. What else can you compare that to for guys like us, average Joes, that have never had that experience? What can you oh, compare man. it to? What can I compare it to? Going down a roller coaster at the very top. You're at the top, and you just when you're, the bottom Ooh, drop, you okay. feel that your stomach drop. Yeah. That feeling in, the stomach, in your stomach. That's what it feels like. And that surge like. of energy. And that surge of energy you get. And you just like, you're, you have an overwhelming amount of emotions at that time, right? Just yeah. racing through your body and you can't sort it out and you can't make sense of it. Yeah. But you're conscious and you're, and you're so aware and you're, you're, you're even, you're hyper-focused because you're in that zone. You're yeah. about to get into that zone. And it's like at that time, everything slows down. Your senses become different than you're used to them being different they become heightened yeah. they um you know lights they they're not only bright they have like a volume they're loud you, you know them. what i'm saying you can hear the lights That's cool. you know what i'm saying it, it's that it's that kind of uh that kind of focus that that happens like in, when you're like there's times where i got to the cage and i'm throwing a punch and I'm like, man, I'm feeling slow as shit tonight. You know, and I see a punch he throwing, I'm like, man, he's never gonna hit me going that slow. That's and it. then I watch <laughs> the Matrix, it. Yo. Then I watch it on TV and I'm like, whoa, it was moving fast. <laughs> but when I was out there, it was moving so slow because your body in that when you're when you're in that zone, it slows down everything, like being in a car accident. You know how yeah. it just kinda goes in slow motion? It's like that the whole time. Damn. I feel like so many yeah. athletes who have been in that situation, they try to chase that feeling afterwards. And they usually all have the same responses. There's not a lot to compare it to. No. I do like the reference to the roller coaster because a lot of us, have, pretty much everyone has ridden a roller coaster. Yeah, that's really and good. in that initial drop, that stomach feeling, it's like that feeling that the entire time as you're walking to the cage. Yep. That's like, fucking insane. That's a great reference. That's though. a great reference. I love that. Man. I'm going to go fucking ride a roller coaster <laughs> right after this. Somebody say my name while I'm going down the roller I'm coaster. I'm telling you. <laughs> and then it's crazy because you, you'll, you'll be there and you're like, oh my gosh, this is the craziest shit I've ever felt in my life and then you'll look over and then you'll see Joe Blow from Idaho just like 
busting down. <laughs> yeah, a beer. Yeah. Slamming yeah. fucking brewskis with the boys. And then you're just like, damn, I want to be this guy real. I don't yeah, know, yeah. For a second, because it's like there's so much pressure. You know what yeah, I'm saying? For sure. like, I bet he's having a blast because yeah. right now, he don't, yeah. I'm not having fun. I feel <laughs> sick. <laughs> I feel sick. I love it, man. I love it. So you've, you've obviously fought in Vegas, right? You've won here in Vegas. Um, how different is it fighting in Vegas or competing in Vegas than it is or than it is in any other city? Vegas just has an energy that no place has. Like it just has a has a energetic feeling that is kind of irreplaceable in any, any other place that you go. To be honest, you know, um, when you come here, you just like like right now, I'm feeling a little bit anxiety because I'm at the Mandalay Bay and I've I fought here many times and I made that walk to the arena to go get ready for the fight many times and I've seen. The posters of me all throughout this place many times. So when I'm here right now, I know I'm here right now, but a part of me is here back then. Sure, and sure. I still kind of feel that. So it's something that you will always feel like a smell will bring back a memory all the time. And that's what that's what I'm feeling right now. So it's one of the craziest things in the world. But Vegas is like no no place other. Like I, I was born as a fighter here in Vegas. Nice, nice. Damn, I love that. I love that. That's incredible. Well, we love you here, man. For Thank sure, you. for sure. Um, so we've learned that that you've gone vegan, yeah, right? And that's yeah. part of the lifestyle now, which is incredible. Um, are there some Vegas places that you love to eat at that have vegan meals or that, that you'd like to, to go to out here while you're here? Well, I mean, I haven't really found any really. I mean, I've just been like, you know, I'll make it um, – there's there's a couple places that I have like uh, what is it um, was it skinny skinny fast skinny, skinny fast yeah, yeah they got some vegan shit on the menu yeah. for Vinny's sure got, Vinny's mini skinny fast got some good stuff yeah um, but nowadays a lot of places they they are really you know um, you know very complimentary for everywhere know, yeah for for, for the yeah. diet so you know a lot of places here have some but my friend told me that um, that he's gonna take me out to a place. Uh, later on to, to go awesome. and check out some nice vegan food. That's what made you want to be vegan? I have to ask that. Oh, man. Because um, you weren't always vegan, correct? No, I wasn't. Okay. I wasn't. Psychedelics, man. Okay. Really? Yeah. Really? I had a trip. I had a trip, a really deep trip, like one of those trips where uh, it was a conversation with me and God, and it was like one of the most pivotal, pivotal, pivotal moments in my life. And it was like, it specifically told me, it says that because I was – I was tripping like maybe it was maybe like a man probably about a four hour trip I'm deep into okay it. yeah yeah yeah, yeah. It, it was down the hole yeah, I was deep down the rabbit <laughs> yeah. hole man and it was, it was a mushroom ceremony so we had moderators and stuff like there making sure. sure it was safe a safe space but um I was so deep in it and uh this knowingness came over me and just says you feel like shit because you eat eat shit you eat rotting flesh if you want it, if you want life, you have to eat life. And it was, and I was like, that was really weird. Who the fuck just vivid. said that? Yeah. And at the same time, when it was, when I was having that, knowing this hit me, it was coming with like a visualization of just like, of of what I needed to do and why I needed to do it. So it was like a, it was like a crazy download. I'm just like, what was that? And. Yeah. Um, after I got out of that whole uh, trip, I just like kept thinking like, why would I think that out of everything? Like, why would that come to me out yeah. of everything? But after that, 
slowly I lost my ability to like to my taste for meat. Really? To the point where I'll eat some meat and I will get like sick. Wow. And then I'm like, man, I, I can't I can't even eat meat anymore if I wanted to. So then I just stopped eating it. That's crazy. It's it's insane. Like that's an awesome. That's so cool. It, was that was that after your career or was that after my career? Okay, got it, yeah, got it. after my career. Like after my career, like so like my last five fights were just complete, you know, like dog shit. I just was not I wasn't me. Sure. You know, I came back from knee injury, but I never really came back, you know, because a part of me just was broken in a sense. Yeah. You know, it yeah. was broken and it, and it, and it happens like sometimes I felt like I lost that love that I had for the sport and fighting was one of those things that would come so natural to me. It was almost yeah. as if like it allowed that dark passenger inside of me to just really get out, fully get out yeah. and blossom. But then, you know, I use a lot of things in my life as motivation as far as, you know, you know, troubles in relationships and troubles in my life that I, that I carry with me as motivation to fight. But through fighting, I've, I've learned, you know, in having those problems, I, I, I work through them. I work through those issues and I work through those, that, that, that fuel that I thought was inexhaustible that was, you know, full of rage and full of all those things that allowed me to just tap into it in a minute and just become a fucking animal. And yeah. then over time, I, I, I healed. And I healed to the point where I didn't, like, I, I kind of lost a feeling for fighting, you know sure. what I'm saying? Yeah. And, and um, I just didn't have it anymore. So when I was going through that transition, when I was like, man, you just lost five fights you shouldn't have lost. And that was never something I could never even imagine happening. And I'm like, I needed to really, you know, have, have that, as they say, come to Jesus moment with myself, you know? Yeah. And I was like, man, I need to really figure out like what's the next step for me because I don't want to retire just because I feel I need to or you know just because I'm having this moment right now I want to know if this film moment sure. is real so um, I, I did uh, I did a ceremony this toad ceremony oh we've heard about those, the DMT right? shit the DMT okay Five, let's talk about it MEO DMT and it was um, this is the most powerful entheogen in the world and entheogens are psychedelics yep. yeah, yeah. yeah and it's and it's the most powerful one in the world and you know a lot of the entheogens they give you a a experience but you still have that sense of duality like sure. it's me and other right yeah. uh with five meo it's just you and you find your connection with this ocean of consciousness that lies in us all, inside of us all, that it's that place that when in the Bible said the kingdom of heaven is inside, yeah. it truly is. And it's one of the, the last place that you would even think to look and you wouldn't even believe it. You, I, I couldn't even, I couldn't even really articulate to you the experience yeah. and, and what this place is inside of us but it's just an ocean of consciousness. And when you feel it, you, you, you understand more about existence and more about what you really are and what this experience truly is. Yeah. And um, when I was in that experience, I started to have like these downloads start to come to me uh, really fast and 
almost as if like I'm remembering. And it was like, like the first thing that happened because you smoked the toad, right? You yeah, smoked yeah, it, yeah. And it looks like fish scales. It's, it's, it, what it is, it's secretions from the back of a toad because like you, you see a toad that they get bothered by an animal, they start like producing stuff on their back. So if the animal puts it in their mouth, then they get foam in their mouth yep. and they, you know, they may die. Um, so what they do is they, they, they massage the, the glands and they pop it and they push it onto like a little glass and then they scrape it off and then you smoke that. And when you smoke it, when you let out the air, it's like your soul leaves your body. Let's go. Let's and you're go. Gone. Like you're gone. It felt as if like I went to the place where I'm really at and it didn't really feel as if like it felt as if like that was reality and this was the dream. Yo. We're currently just living in the dream and that's reality. This I fucking love that. And Fuck, was, I wish we had some mushrooms mind, or something right now. Mind boggling. Yeah. That's incredible, man. I I watched Mike Tyson or listen to Mike Tyson talk about it a little bit on one of his podcasts and it's fucking crazy and he says the exact same thing. He loves it so much that he has to not do it because he loves it so much. Well, I mean, Mike Tyson is is like, um, Mike is on another level with his toad. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mike Mike uses the toad as like a a reminder. Like he'll do it like probably every few months, you know, and, and that helps him to like you know, not have to be on lithium or any other kind of yeah. psycho medications to really balance out, uh, you know, some of some of the issues that come along with sure. with being Mike Tyson for so yeah. long. You know what I'm saying? Um, but the toad, it brings him down to a base where it humbles him because that that toad, when you feel that when you feel that space, you 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 understand that. The connection that we truly have with each other is so it's so intimate it's so deep and it's so uh it's so so connecting like yeah like it sounds crazy but we're almost we are in essence sure the same and it, and it sounds crazy when people say we're all the same no we truly are the same and we have these bodies to have this physical experience but at the end of the day we belong to this consciousness that it's like a universal like ocean of consciousness that we all have become one drop of that ocean and have this experience in life like for instance I, I like this like this analogy like um like Okay, the ocean, it evaporates. It goes up into the clouds. The clouds move somewhere else, and then it produces precipitation. And that one droplet falls. And wherever that one droplet falls, it becomes. You know, if a droplet falls on, you know, on a tree, it becomes the tree. It becomes part of that system. And it will do that process over and over again, but it will have that experience of being a tree. One time it may fall, it may be on a concrete. One time it may yep. fall, it may be on someone's skin. But it's having all these different experiences as life. But eventually, one day, that drop is going to make its way back to the ocean. Yep. And it's going to realize that, damn, I was never a drop at all. I was always the ocean. Oh, yeah, wow. Yeah, yeah. Full circle. Full circle. Oh, that's and that's what we are. You know what I love? I love the way that you describe your experiences, right? Um, it's connected to kind of everything that's going on, like truly in your life, right? Like when you say you had this experience that was made me vegan, but also that was the time where you 
you stopped being in the octagon. You were no longer that animal eating the flesh of other guys, right? You're truly turning over a new leaf. Absolutely. Right? And then yeah. that kind of was yourself speaking to yourself like, hey, this is what's next. This is the next where you need to be. And it, it in essence, encapsulated your whole body. You couldn't feel that way anymore. You didn't want to feel that anymore. You didn't want to eat that anymore. Um, I love that, man. It kind of brings everything, like you said, full circle. That's it was. Awesome. And it was, it was a transition that was happening that um, – I didn't really understand, but the thing about it is, is that what I had to learn is that um, life has plans, the creator, whatever you want to call it, and uh, you just got to go with it, you know, and, and the hardest part for me was, was to not fight it, to not fight that, that what isness, that isness that, that's happening to me, because there was an isness that was happening, but yeah. I didn't understand what that, what, what it was, what it was, you know, yeah. and um I was transitioning. I was I was coming out of my cocoon and I was emerging a different kind of butterfly. You yeah. know what I'm saying? And it was something that I never would have foreseen. It was something that I didn't even really know know that was in me before because it, before to even hear somebody talking like this, I'm like, oh, it's foo foo, uh, <laughs> smoking toad. What is yeah, he talking about? Yeah, I, like I just didn't. I was like, it didn't have any interest to me. But then, you know, it just kind of like having where I am right now just kind of showed me so much and I and I would have never ever foreseen this happening in my life it's incredible man it's, it's super how, how is the transition you know going from being a full-time fighter that's what you did to provide that's how you survived how is that transition going from that to now just a normal regular person where you have to do something else it was a hard transition yeah we've talked to many it, fighters it was, we had Uriah a, Faber on yeah. here he said the same thing it's a very hard transition because, like, no matter how humble you try to be, it seeps in. The, the, the patting on the back, the let me get your autograph, let me take a picture, yeah. all those things. Being told you're so great, everybody wanting to be around you, it just kind of, like, seeps in. And when it's over years and years and years, it just kind of, like, becomes, you know, who you are in a sense until it's not who you are. And then yeah. when you have that experience, you're just like, oh wow okay so these people really just like me because of that yeah you know yeah, what i'm saying yeah, and that's, yeah. that right there is a hurtful part because it's tough people you wouldn't even expect being there for that they may be there for that and the realization of who's on that that list it was a heartbreaking discovery you know because it was something you would have never thought or foreseen or anything like that it was just like wow okay now I get it and it leaves you in a space like damn what, what was it even all about what yeah, was it wow. really for yeah. yeah what was it even all about but finding my way back and uh, finding my way through all of it was a very humbling experience but I needed it I needed that humbling yeah. I needed it because it's the only way that I could go back to relating to people that weren't that didn't do the same things that yeah, I did, yeah, you know? Sure. I needed to be able to relate. I needed to understand. So I needed to get broke down. I needed to be humbled. I feel like a lot of men need that too, you know. I feel like as men, as providers, you know, I, I have a one year old son at home and we always have that like that machismo like we have to be that macho egotistical alpha male at all times yeah. and just coming back down to reality and just accepting yourself 
I think that means a lot and it speaks volume. And do you credit any of that to psychedelics? I credit a lot of it to psychedelics. And um, because here, here's why I credit the psychedelics. You know, life is about perspective. Sure. And sometimes that perspective, it takes time. It takes a long time, long time to get sometimes, you know, because you can't see the picture when you're that close. But the psychedelics, it makes your brain start to think a certain, a different way. It breaks out of that, that, that thinking pattern that has, you know, given, given you that, that perspective. And it puts you in another frame of mind where then now you're able to actually look and see. I'm like, oh, I couldn't see this perspective, uh, perspective before because my, my train of thought, you know, we, we think the same way over and over again. That's why they say, you know, you don't, you, you, if you don't use it, you lose it. And some aspects of us, our brains, we do lose because we're, we're doing the same repetitive thing all the, all the time. But this, it takes you out of that where you're able to see different aspects of yourself Sometimes favorable, sometimes unfavorable. But at the end of the day, you get a perspective. And that perspective, it, it's a shortcut to the time it would take for you to get that perspective. Because in life, if you ask the question enough and you're diligent enough about asking a question, eventually you'll find the answer. For sure. But it may take some time. It may take you hitting your head a few times. It may take some growing pains. But... The psychedelics definitely gave me a shortcut to the perspective I needed. I feel like you probably have to be included and involved in like a super small circle of close friends that can kind of introduce you. It's not probably not just like a Google search, right? Like Google. <laughs> <No>. fucking, <laughs> yeah, and it has to be in a safe space. Yeah, like you know, like too. I mean, mushrooms. Yeah, easy, a little more easily accessible than fucking toad. You yeah. know. Yeah, but, but I mean, here's the here's the thing about the psychedelic space is like if you want to learn and you want to truly get into it there's ways and, and, and uh there's a whole community that's looking to be there to support you and that's the best thing that made me truly fall in love with the community is the fact that these people they um they're so accepted and sure. they understand you know um they understand and they and they try to go out of their way sometimes because they understand what it's like to be in the dark and not have the understanding of the light of who you are and they walk you through it so if, if people are interested they reach out and find you know yeah there's sure. ways there's definitely sure. there's, there's ways definitely you got ways. it but, but the thing about it is that you want to be able to make sure that you do it in a safe way because you know there, there are dangers to not being not doing it the correct way and, and there's ways that you may not get out of it what I'm speaking about if you're not doing it the right way. In, in a way where you know you're with people who can walk you through it you know if you know with people who can uh, trip sit with you you know help you when you're going through that 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 uh, dark moment that may happen when you trip you know people are like oh, I had a bad trip well it's not a bad trip it may just get a little uncomfortable at times but if you have somebody sitting with you, then when you get into that space, you're like, hey, I'm feeling a certain kind of way. And then they'll be there to, you know, you can talk to them and then sure as shit, you, you come out of it. Yeah. So it's very important to be able to get connected with some kind of community. And it's, it's like um, 
I'm so I'm so into the whole uh, psychedelic space. Like I, I fucking love it. I did not plan on talking about this. Yeah, but this, this is, is fucking rad. amazing. Yeah, yeah. yeah, awesome. Like I, I um I'm part of this uh, this group called Unlimited Scientists. Unlimited Scientists, and uh, Del Jolly, uh, one of the founders, and Heather Jackson, another one of the founders. Uh, you know, they're 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 my um, they're the ones who kind of brought me into the whole psychedelic space. But with Unlimited Sciences, what we want to do is we want to help, you know, make research and help uh, develop more um, more ways for people to learn about psychedelics and learn about ways that it can be helpful and the beautiful things that psychedelic is doing psychedelics are doing as far as from even you know not only speaking from a mental aspect but from a neurological aspect you know there's people you know i have a friend of mine uh who who started walking again after a skiing accident oh come on severed his severed his spine had a very bad uh spine injury learned to start walking again because of a psychedelic trip. He had a psychedelic trip, was at a concert, super depressed. His buddy gave him a, a psychedelic. He did it, and next thing you know, he was feeling his feet, he was feeling his legs, he was feeling things he hadn't felt in a long time, and it was like, and the, later, and the person's like, whoa, when did that, when, did you, when were we able to move that? And he's like, guess just now. So we started doing his, um, his therapy yeah, sessions true therapy. on psychedelics, and it rewired his whole body because the thing about it is is that it's such neurogenesis and 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 the neuroplasticity that happens and with neurogenesis it's it's um helping your 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 the neurological system in the body to to reboot and not only reboot to rebuild itself if there's like a block it finds a way to get around that block and it builds neurological pathways to get to work in neurological pathways, you know? And that's where the true value of this medicine come. You know, we living in a time right now where um, getting old is is nothing more than accumulation of just neurological disorders, right? Sure, yeah. You sure. lose your ability to yeah. move and yep. you have Alzheimer's and all those things. That's because of the accumulation of all these environmental toxins and things like that that really start to hamper our neurological system as we get older. For so, sure when you do the psychedelics and you do not only the psychedelics in general, not only the mushrooms, uh, the psilocybin mushrooms, but like when you do like the lion's mane and all the other mushrooms, they also help and have a huge neurological benefit as well too. Um, after I get done from sparring, I have a hard day and I may have feel a little concussed or something like that. I'll do, uh, some lion's mane and, and, uh, um, and, and some psilocybin, like a microdose, Yeah. you know, so that way it gets me, tracking again fast again yeah yeah a lot of people are huge on the microdosing a lot of people are huge on microdosing it's so many benefits take that big pharma yeah Yeah. i'm I'm telling you so i mean like i'm part of this uh you know myself uh my buddy del jolly and um jake the snake plumber jake the snake come on jake the snake plumber (laughs) oh shit we're we're uh we're starting this this mushroom functional mushroom company not to be confused with psychedelic, but sure, functional sure. mushrooms, as far as like lion's manes, cordyceps, yeah. reishi, turkey tail, and chaga, and those kind of mushrooms. For um, like recovery. For, for like, like recovery. Yeah. So we started a mushroom company, it's called Umbo, and, it, and it's set to uh, launch within the next next month or so. Oh, quick, it's coming yeah, up. So, yeah, yeah, we're we, gonna we plug do, that for sure. For yeah, sure. I'm so fucking gonna order a bunch. It's Umbo, and the Umbo is, 
it, it means, you know, if you see a mushroom, the bell top, yep. okay. that's called the umbo. Okay. okay. So that's where we get the name umbo from. But, you know, with this mushroom company, we want to do some good in the world. We want to be able to, you know, reach back for people, you know, uh, donate a part of our proceeds to mental health because mental health is something that, for me, is near and dear to my heart. You know what I'm saying? I, I've, I've suffered from mental health issues as far as, you know, uh, you know, dealing with depression and dealing with that roller coaster of emotion that comes from, from being in the position that I, that, that I was in. So uh, I, I'm very, very into that. And, you know, we're coming from a time with, with COVID where, you know, it's very depressing. This is 100%. very depressing times. Absolutely. And the things that we're dealing with right now are very depressing. So having a piece of, uh, of Umbo go to help with mental, uh, mental health issues is something that we're very proud of. That's incredible. And we haven't even seen the real effects yet. You know, we had Robin Leonard, the, the uh, goalie for the Golden Knights on the yeah, podcast, yeah. and he's, you know, uh, diagnosed bipolar, you know, so, but he's very open up about mental health, mental health awareness. And he says, we haven't even really seen the effects of COVID with the, with yeah. the mental disorders and everything. Yeah, totally agree, man. Like we have a whole generation growing up thinking that this is normal. 100%. And it's not. You know, yeah. and, and it's and, not. Um, it's not, you know, we're, we're, the world has changed in a way that is truly unrecognizable in so many different ways, you know. Yeah. But through this change, we cannot lose our humanity. And I feel Absolutely. like right now we're hanging on by a string to keep our huma humanity. And um, it's one of the scariest things because there's this transition and this push to merge man with AI and all these different technological aspects. But the phone hasn't made my life better. It's made it more complicated. It's made it more disconnected. And I can imagine the next series of technology will make that connection, this connection even more. The metaverse. You know, yeah, playing around in like virtual realities yeah, and getting, buying we're, fake we're getting, real estate and shit. Yeah, and, and it's so crazy because we're in a, we're in a space right now where we're getting close together in one aspect, right? Being able to see into each other's lives, being able to contact each other whenever we need to, but at the same time, the distance that we're growing from each other it's even more yep. is getting even further, getting getting even more. You know. Absolutely. We don't we don't we don't talk anymore. We don't look each other in the eye anymore. No. You know, all these things that were just natural, innate things that are just now not even part of They don't exist anymore. They don't exist. They don't exist. You know, it's it's, sure. it's unbelievable what's happening. It's a different world. It it's a different world, but I, I believe that, you know, um I believe that we can get through this. But it's not gonna be without any pain. No, of course. There's going to be a lot of pain that goes along with it. And um, as somebody who who understands pain, who who truly embraced pain and love to feel pain, to, un to know, because there's something on the other side of pain that is just so transformative, that is so beautiful, that makes pain, going through pain, worth it. But when you're afraid to go through that pain, you're never able to see what's on the other side of it. But we got to go through that pain in order to see to that beauty there. what's on the other side. Yep. 
Absolutely. I feel like you got to write a fucking book or something, man. There's some heater <laughs> quotes. Yeah, I'm just going to fucking I write them it. all down. So a couple things, like a couple things, right? We know we've seen Rashad on the media, right? Yeah. We've, we've, we know this event or this uh, this new company's coming. What else is on the horizon for Sugar Rashad Evans? What's next for you, man? Man, um, I'm, I'm launching an NFT. Okay. Let's yeah, go. I'm, I'm Let's launch, go. I'm launching an NFT. As we know, just um, talk shit about it becoming <laughs> yeah. more disconnected. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, Fuck us. Hey, yeah. There we go. No, I'm, I'm making an NFT, you know. Uh, okay. Okay. I, I'm, I, I uh, started drawing and I want to... Um, I'm, I'm in the process. There's going to be some of your art. Yes, my oh, art. That's oh, wow. Okay, we didn't I'm even talk about you yeah. being that's an artist. Okay. I'm drawing. Uh, okay. Yeah, I'm drawing. That, would all come, that, that would make sense. That's yeah, awesome. Yeah, I'm Sick. drawing it. And it was something like, um, you know, I watched the NFT space, you know, kind of blow up. And yep. I was kind of had little interest. And at the time, um, I didn't really think it was going to be too much. But then as time went on, I'm like, man, this is something serious. The more I looked into it, I'm like, yeah. it's very interesting. And then it kind of aligned with... Uh, with the part of myself that I kind of put on a back burner because one of my favorite things to do in the world is just completely get lost and drawn. I would get lost and I would just draw for hours and hours and hours and it was like my escape from reality. Wow. Like it's just amazing just to sit here and look at a piece of paper drawn and then the mind goes completely blank and I'm like, whoa, I lost all track of time. I lost track of thought and I'm just in the moment and I'm just I'm just there yeah yeah you know I'm that just creative th- side of you is yeah, just existing just, and doing what it's doing yeah and I'm just there and it's just such a beautiful space and um, I started to get back into that it was part of my, my my mental health healing you know getting back to some of those things that that made me feel full that don't cost anything that, that comes from here you know and um, once I started doing it I'm like you know what let me let me see what this NFT thing was talking yeah, about. So sure. I got with a couple of NFT creators and I started to create some things. And now we're on our way to to launching a, 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 a catalog of NFTs. Of, uh, NFTs. That's exciting. I love that. I hope you include a version of the NFT where it's not just the digitized art that you do when maybe telling the story and thought process behind that creating the art like you just did now like if i were to film you saying exactly what the fuck you just said drawing pieces of that art including that in one of the nfts that's a home run yeah man, you can have that. yeah that's that's, that's but that's, that's fucking cool just hearing you tell it the way it is and again we're not big nft nerds or yeah, anything yeah. like we love them we we, we appreciate them For sure but what the what you just said the way you expressed it packaging that in the digitized nft the consumer buying that NFT is obviously buying it because they know who you are. Cool, if right. they don't just appreciate just the artistic aspect of it, but buying it with you telling the story of what's going through your mind as you're creating that piece, you know, hire a little videographer, boom, or you do it just you with your cell phone. That's probably the play and package that in the actual NFT as well. Yeah, Not all I'm of them, a, but I'm a, I'm a couple, a couple for sure. You need to do that. exactly that. Yeah, I'm, I'm, there's I'm, I'm definitely that, value Drew. in the story behind I don't think anyone's doing that, but that's a great fucking idea. <laughs> that's a great idea, Drew. That's, <laughs> that's a great a good idea. Fucking idea. I'm going to do that, man. Awesome, but no man. one gives a fuck about me doing it, so <laughs> yeah. you need to do that for sure. Well, awesome, man. We truly, truly appreciate the time. I think that interview was incredible. Time flew by, by the way. We could easily, we can easily keep going for another hour. I but. know, I know. Um, honestly, man, we got into some really cool elements of of who Rashad Evans is, right? Beyond Sugar Rashad, which I think we're super insightful. I think our, our listeners are love. Um, where can we find you? Sugar Rashad Evans on Instagram, anywhere else? Yeah, Sugar Rashad Evans on Instagram. I'm going to you know, start getting back into it. You know, I took a break from the social media for a yep. little bit. I just became sure, sure. overwhelmed with it. But I'm going to get back into it because I understand that 
a lot of people need to hear some of the things I, I got to say. You they know, not to. like I'm not not like I'm some kind of guru or anything like that or trying to be a guru, but I feel like I can I can help people out. 100%. And that's what I want to do. I, I think just the things you said today are exactly what people need to hear. Right? So we appreciate that. Thank you. We appreciate you. Do you have a podcast? No, not yet. I'm working on that too. You better yeah. fucking come out with a podcast. Yeah. I'm working on that. I too. would do a podcast. So stay tuned for Sugar's podcast coming. And the yeah. NFT. And the NFTs and definitely the mushrooms that are coming out, right? That whole thing. Um, we thank you guys for listening. Uh, the Residency Pod on Apple Music or Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, Instagram, The Residency Pod. Uh, we're out. We'll see you next week. Love you guys.